You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 216 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the barn studio this week, as always, is Matt Smith. Hello everyone, good afternoon, good evening, good night, another day gone. Ah, that's quick. <laughs> right, good night everyone. <laughs> How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm living life's eternal dream every single day. Oh, good, good, How good. about you? Oh, well, I'm just <laughs> glad to be here, as always. Nice but to see you uh, not wearing any particular uniform to do with driving up. buses be quiet, you this week. <laughs> be quiet. <clears throat> and uh, the, the Sir Neville of Bounds, how are you this very, very fine Very week? well, thank you. It's been a good week. Uh, a short week, I'm pleased to say, because we had a bank holiday on Monday, so that was quite nice. Oh, but yes. I'm sure I've managed to cram five days' worth of work into <laughs> four again, but... Uh, Glad it's the weekend. Well, I'm, I must say, actually, because uh, obviously since last week, Saturday, as uh, re- those who, who listened and watched last week will know that I was off to Newmarket races. Oh, yeah. And I'm very, very pleased to say. I can't see any Rolls Royce outside or no, Jag no, or no, Ferrari. But, uh, um, I, I, I doubled my money. Oh, you got a fiver. Uh, yeah, well, no, I was, I was very good. I had, I had a little flutter on the GGs, and I brought home twice what I took with me. So Not a tenner. Yeah. I know, yeah. God. Yes. So, ironically, if I had sort of spent half a Rolls Royce on, on my horses, then I would have brought home a Rolls Royce. So that must be why this 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 is drink is so strong this week is because Matt I'm Matt, feeling very Matt won the loads week, of yeah. money and he's brought some expensive orange squash. Do you know what? Some people are so ungrateful. They really are. You you try and make them a decent cordial drink. See, I don't have any of this trouble with Nev. He gets his own. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I have to. Yeah, absolutely. Be a bit tepid by the time we got it down. Yeah, indeed. So we're going to say a big welcome to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room this evening. All, uh, all the family in there as always. Uh, we've got uh, Graham Haley uh, in there. We've got Mashers in the chat room as well. Good evening to you and Lane Street. Uh, we've got uh, Julian Garwood in there. Liz, Auntie Liz is in the chat room oh, as well. The lovely Auntie uh, Liz. Jeff Braithwaite. Uh, is in the chat room and uh, just scrolling down the list just in case I don't miss anyone. Mariana is also in the chat room. Hello to you, Mariana. Another Star Trek fan. We do like Mariana. And <laughs> what, just because he's a Star Trek fan. Uh, well, you know, wow. anyone who's a Star Trek fan is awesome. Uh, so welcome to everyone who's joined us in Harsh. the live chat room. It is the 11th of May. Is it? And, uh, All day. It's five past seven on a Friday evening here. With a lo- Actually, Matt's got the best view because he can see it towards the I river. Can, I can see the lovely river waving mm. lovely isn't it? lovely hello richard king as well rich is in the chat room as well so hello and apparently uh picard lives in a village close to where richard lives as in patrick very Stewart. cool go and disturb him oh, immediately get him on the show <laughs> we need him on the show right. definitely yes. okay mm. so we've got loads of news to get through this week loads of great news stories we've also got a huge announcement to make at the oh, end yes, of the have, show. Sorry, I was looking at you blankly then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you right there, Matt? Yeah. A huge announcement to make at the end of the show about something that's going on later on this mm. year. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be awesome. It is. Uh, we've also got uh, a few more bits of audio from uh, Armando. Yes, which yes. Which is going to be awesome to listen to as well. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, we've got a bit of military news to get sad, through. Really, I've literally just rendered it and I've forgotten already who he's talking to. But anyway, there we go. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a little bit of military news as well this week. Um, but uh, yes, but we have got a little bit of uh, how 
most work to do before we start this week's show. We have, so we're yes. going to hand things over to the legend that is Neville Bounds. Yes, of course, and it's all about your contributions, and Patreon is really important to us, so thank you very much to everybody for their superb contributions, and we'd like to thank the kind donors to the show, including a new Patreon, uh, Nico Reger, and also a massive thanks to Jan Hubner for his very kind donation through PayPal, and also to Tom Thomas and Jenny Parkinson for their recurring PayPal contributions to the show. It really does make a massive difference. And um, so the other contributors are as follows. It's uh, Adrian Meacham, Nick Anderson, Captain Jeff, Stephanie Plummer, Stuart Black, Liz Piper, Jonathan Warner, Evan Shue, Adam Spink, Matt Donemeyer, Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Moller, Philip Labe, Andrew Wilson, Graham Haley, Matt Caton, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, Steve Andress, Matthew Buntingframe, Myla, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, and Ray Williams. Thank you to one and all, because um, as you'll hear later on in the show, we're going to do some very ambitious stuff, and all this stuff costs money. So it does. Uh, we yeah. really do appreciate your contributions. We do. Yeah, so don't forget, Absolutely. if you want to help with the show, and if you've got a few spare pennies laying down the back of your sofa, if you take yourselves over to our website, plaintalkinguk.com, there's a little Patreon link on there and a PayPal link. If you want to help mm. uh, with the show, we really really do appreciate it ever so much and if like me you're not able to perhaps where you are a short of a bob or 12 then um why not if you if you use amazon like i do to do your shopping uh why don't you use the link on our website and then that way we get a small referral free um from Am amazon for every purchase that you make it's like an advertising fee that they pay us uh, and that's perfect for us because it helps us buy leads i use that twice this week cables and all sorts <laughs> of bits and pieces which obviously are very very useful as we're about to uh, commence the final fixtures and fittings yeah, yeah. on the new studio yeah. all very exciting it isn't is it very exciting no so indeed. big thanks to everyone obviously who donates to the show awesome thank you very yeah. much yeah very much yes. appreciated yeah so I suppose we'd better move on, I suppose, with some news. So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I certainly am, yes. And if you're ready, Nev. Surprisingly, yes. Right. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story, then, and on the subject of of money, oh. uh, this is on the uh, the usnews.com website, and the headline: Emirates Airlines posts boost in annual profits to seven hundred and sixty-two million. Wow, dollars! <laughs> that's a that's a big number. <laughs> that is a rather large number. So, uh, this is in uh, obviously Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Uh, and, uh, I've heard of that place. The Middle East's largest airline said on Wednesday this week the long-haul carrier's revenue improved over the past fiscal year, reaching $25.2 billion, with profits rising to $762 million. That's just a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> the Dubai-based airline credited a recovery in the global air cargo industry and the strengthening of key currencies against the U.S. dollar for the boost. 
Emirates said in a spe- uh, spite of political changes in impacting traveler demand and fare adjustments due to the competitive business environments, the decline of the U.S. dollar against currencies in most of the Emirates' uh, key markets had a $180 million positive impact to the airline's bottom line. Emirates Airline and Group Chairman and Chief Executive Sheikh Ahmed bin Said Al Maktoum said uh, President Donald <laughs> please, Trump's please announcement say that again. <laughs> to withdraw from a nuclear er- accord with Iran will not present too many new challenges for Emirates, whose uh, flights, which has flights to Tehran and other cities in uh, Dubai, Persian Gulf neighbour. He said, I think this is not really new to us, he told reporters, explaining that the airline dealt with issues of sanctions on Iran in the past. And uh, it goes on to say that last year the airline's profits fell by more than 80% from the previous year to $340 million as it grappled with a slump in demand linked to a a range of headwinds from political upheaval and terrorism in Europe to uh, tougher travel restrictions into the US. Over the 2017-2018 fiscal year, Emirates announced two major purchases, a $15.1 billion agreement for 40 Boeing 787-10 Dreamliners and a $16 billion deal to buy 20 A380 double-decker jets with the option to buy 16 more of the A380s. The airline's aggressive expansion and growth has helped transform its hub at Dubai International Airport into the world's busiest for international passengers. The airline said it carried a record 58.5 million passengers uh, this past fiscal year, compared with 56 million passengers the year before. Meanwhile, Emirates Group, which operates the airline and includes the Donata Ground and Travel Service Provider, said its uh, overall profits peaked over uh, $1 billion and revenue reached a record of 27.2 million. It's safe to say that um, they're doing rather well. Yeah, I think uh, they've Emirates. had a good year. <laughs> uh, I think they've had a good year. I mean, that, uh, they are obviously, you know, one of the biggest airlines. They, mm. they've got the, they've got the head screwed on when it comes to how to run an airline. Um, um, meeting a lot of their staff at uh, at Dubai last year at the air show and that. So you really can't go wrong with uh, with the, uh, the the cabin crew with Emirates, I, that's for sure. Um, but uh, fingers crossed, all being well, and uh, you know we uh, might might be might be having a little jaunt across there next year, Nev. You never mm-hmm. know. Yes, I think also that they're in a very good position geographically as well, aren't they? You know, sort of being kind of halfway between mm, most uh, places, uh, yeah. Europe <laughs> and, uh, and Australia and what have you. Mm. So um, yeah, that and the, the numbers are just eye-watering, aren't they? Oh, we'll just buy another twenty of these, another thirty of those. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But it's good for them because they're clearly filling the seats. Mm. So the load factors are very good and they are a very well-respected airline. Yeah, that's true. And not forgetting as well, they're also starting their new route from Stansted, London Stansted in the UK here in June. Which, yeah, next very month. Very exciting. Yeah. In June, yeah. So uh, another uh, new route, which is I think is going to be really good for those guys from uh, Stansted. Yeah, so, yeah indeed. Yeah. It's um, oh, Sorry, I, I, <laughs> apologies to the chat room there. I'll just move the camera. I, I'm being a little bit distracted by, if you're listening to the audio version of this show, then you'll know that for the first time, like what feels like forever, since the 200th, actually, Carlos isn't wearing his hat, and it's very oh, unnerving. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, is, it yet? is frightening me a no. little bit. Yeah, and I do have hair. Anyway, yes, absolutely. Moving yes, on to yes. the next story. And and someone uh, your age, that's a bit of a shock. I know, <laughs> 
41 of young years. Um, the next story is uh, kind of a, a bit of a move from the usual because we're not we're not focusing on that Ryanair nope, this week. Nope, we're but moving to, to another low-cost yeah, carrier. Yeah, we are uh, sticking with the low-cost carrier. This is on the Euro Weekly website. That's euroweeklynews.com. And a slightly worrying headline <laughs> in the fact that Spain's Mallorca is in Germany, and that's according to EasyJet. So hopefully EasyJet's pilots have a better grasp of geography than their marketing department after they made a huge mistake on an advertising billboard. The most beautiful thing about Germany is Mallorca, apparently, uh, and uh, proclaims a massive banner promoting the seven daily connections between Berlin and Parma this summer that covers the entire side of a hotel building in Cologne. The British low-cost airline is headquartered at London Luton Airport and operates scheduled services on over 820 routes in more than 30 countries, and hopefully they will know where most of those countries are. In July 2017, EasyJet announced that it had applied for and was subsequently granted an Austrian Air Operator Certificate AOC and uh, operating permit, thereby establishing EasyJet in Europe. The new airline is headquartered in Vienna and will allow EasyJet to continue operating flights across and within European countries after the UK leaves the EU. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a slightly worried. I'm going to pop this up on the uh, <laughs> up on the. Uh, That's a picture someone took on Twitter. Yeah, so I'm just going to see if I can bring that up while. Uh, while we I'm haven't just... started Nev's media fail segment because it's <laughs> yes. the number one uh, item. Yes, it? I think it would be uh, Nev. I do genuinely <laughs> think this is something that we need to uh, look into. With yeah, without... we're not going to be short of material. I mean, no, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> my German's not the best, but I, you know that. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, essentially. So that does literally. I, I do read a bit of German. That says literally this. Yeah. The, <laughs> the best thing about Deutschland or Germany is Mallorca. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to, say, Berlin or something, you know, like something. Or, yeah, yeah, one of the yeah, nice yeah. places one in of the Germany. Nice place, yeah. 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 So, um,. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Hats off to the marketing. I mean, I'm, 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 I was a bit worried they might have put, you know, a, um, an A380 on the poster or something like that just to add to the... Um, well, yeah, could have happened. Yeah, you never know. Right, okay. <laughs> so, anyway, moving on to the next story. And uh, Nev, uh, a bit, bit of a problem here. Oh, yes. Here we are again with the Trent 1000 engine oh, problem. No. And this is on the businesstraveler.com website. And it's BA this time is the latest carrier which is seeing disruption because of problems with the Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 engines for some of its Boeing 787 Dreamliner fleet. Uh, as reported on this website previously, Virgin Atlantic has had to bring an A34600 back into service to cover its schedule, which had previously been mothballed. Uh, in that case, Virgin had to bring back uh, the retired aircraft because of the engine issues on the Dreamliner fleet. And in addition, has also been forced to lease Air Berlin uh, A330s. Now, it seems that British Airways is going to wet lease three Qatar Airways a330 aircraft over the summer to cover checks on the Boeing 787s and according to Flight Global the checks are on the Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 powered aircraft following concerns over blade durability. The problem is industry-wide and should not cause concerns about flight safety but it will affect passengers booked on these flights since the Qatar Airways have a different configuration to the BA 787-9 aircraft and they also don't have a premium economy section which BA call world 
Traveller Plus. It's unclear at present which flights are affected, but the substitutions which will take place are between June the 1st and September the 30th of this year. And BA told the Business Traveller website, the safety of our customers and crew is always our top priority and we would never operate an aircraft if it was unsafe to do so. Like other airlines around the world, we're carrying out detailed precautionary inspections on Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 engines on some of our Boeing 787-9s to ensure we meet all of the relevant regulatory requirements. To facilitate the additional Rolls-Royce engine inspections and any associated maintenance, we are making some minor schedule adjustments. We're looking at a range of options to ensure that we minimise any changes to our customers' travel plans in the coming weeks. And the Business Traveller website understands that the extra checks and associated maintenance only applies to some of the Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 Package C engines on the 787-9s operated by British Airways, not the Dash 8s, which are unaffected by the latest EASA and FAA directive relating to compressor checks. Well, this is all very good, um, that's what we like to see, but can you imagine the cost to the airline or to the engine manufacturer? For uh, yeah, stuff? I mean, we, we were actually talking about this story, story before we started recording, weren't we? And um, yeah. mm, I was actually asking these guys a question, who, who inevitably is going to fit the bill for this? Because presumably, this, obviously, you know, these things have warranties and things like that. Well, hopefully that. BA I'm, kept the receipts. Right. Yes, I dare say mm -hmm. they probably kept some paperwork, yes. Um, but, but, I mean, I presume at the end of the day that, you know, the buck's going to stop with, um, with Rolls-Royce, I, I, I assume. Yes, there's going to be some negotiation going on there, isn't yes, there? Yes, I think That's you're right. right. <laughs> yes. Free aircraft. Yes, absolutely. Or free engines, yeah. 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 I mean... Um, I was really lucky again to to have a uh, tour around Heathrow Control Tower last Saturday, uh, courtesy of. I love Adam how you Spink. just casually drop that into conversation. And, <laughs> no, I was, it was saying before the show. Um, Clang. One of the things that Adam pointed out to me uh, was the the pile of Dreamliners that was sitting outside oh, really? BA's workshop uh, ah. without engines. Oh and, my goodness! Um, they do look very that interesting must have without, weird engines. without engines. Yeah, they actually. they do look rather strange when they haven't got engines hanging underneath yeah. the wings. Uh, but there was there was a lot of uh, Virgin and BA ones kind of just sitting there, really. I mean, uh, Nev, how long do you think this is going to take to solve? I mean, because this has been rumbling on for a while now, hasn't it? I, I reckon from what they're talking about, it'll be the remainder of the year. Uh, I right. would imagine certainly for the next six months uh, to the end of September or October or maybe into the end of the year. The trouble is, of course, it goes right across the summer schedule. Mm. So uh, that the um, airlines that are affected... Um, obviously are running these on, on long haul routes mm. and between, you know, sort of May and the end of August, as an example, it's, it's a very busy season for them. So Indeed. it's really important that they've yeah. got some serviceable aircraft uh, during this time. But uh, luckily, I mean, this happened with the BA strike, if you remember previously, where they had to wet lease um, yeah. aircraft and, and crew as well from Qatar. Uh, at least they have an option. But of course, people will have paid for their favourite seats on their Dash 9 yeah. aircraft. And they're going to be... Well, they're going to have to have like re reimbursement, I, I presume, mm. if they've been paying, you know, for extra for these bits and places. Uh, a couple of quick extra hellos in the old chat room, uh, if I may be so bold. Uh, hello uh, to uh, Jen Niffer. She's just joined us. Hi, Jen. Uh, Tom Thomas has just joined us as well. And also welcome to Andrew Wilson. He's there as well. And Jenny Parkinson. And Yamasaku. Hello from Japan. Oh, hello. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Hello oh, wow. in Japan. Wow. We really are global, aren't we, at the moment? Yeah. I um, do love this whole, um, this whole online thing. I know. It's great, isn't it? 
isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tom Thomas actually said mentioned there. Tom Thomas in the chat room says uh, he makes a good point. Apparently, he says that all Rolls Royce profits uh, are this for this year are probably down the pan. Yeah, I don't think they're going to sort of. Yeah, because yeah, the trouble is, is with any of these companies nowadays, of course, because they're all on the stock market. So when you get something like this, I mean, you know, millions of pounds are wiped off the value of these companies just like that these days I mean it's frightening really I mean Rolls Royce I presume are on the stock market aren't they I mean they're yeah. Yeah. Oh, on the other hand of course if you think about all of the Rolls Royce engines that are on so many aircraft uh, going back to True. you know the 1980s yeah. uh, running on the, the RB211s yeah. on oh, the yeah. 747 for example the in-service reliability and all the rest of it is you know, phenomenal and actually fair, yeah. all engines these days are very reliable but yeah. inevitably when you come up with a new design yeah new uh, they can't test absolutely everything and then sometimes you get these in-service unreliabilities yeah and of course the regulatory authorities have to err on, uh, on, the, on, the, side on the side of caution yeah absolutely without question uh, neil lamorne hello as well sorry the chat room is filling up nicely this, very this good. afternoon awesome. uh, this evening good evening good night another day <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah. absolutely uh, it's um but it's going yeah, to be it's going to be ongoing story. for a little while i think you know yeah. Ground, but yeah. um yeah yeah, a bit of a shame. But uh, as I say, I think, that as, as Nev's sort of alluding to there, I think they're big enough to be able to weather the storm. Yes. <laughs> so moving on to the next story. This one is on Bloomberg.com. And uh, this one kind of was fine, rather interesting, I think. This has popped up on a few different uh, news platforms. But uh, on Bloomberg.com and the headline, The airline seat of the future will clean itself. Okay. Hmm. So, Recaro, who I think most people have heard of Recaro, uh, who make aircraft seating, uh, whose customers include Cathay Pacific, and uh, are developing a seat that's infused with a disinfectant that destroys almost every germ on contact within seconds. Its response to studies that uh, constantly consistently show almost everything inside an aircraft cabin is festering with bugs. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> these, <Right>. uh, <laughs> these business class seats won't just cleanse themselves, but will also somehow inform each, uh, each incoming passenger how well it has done the job. Oh, Ricaro Chief Executive Officer Mark Hillier said in an interview that the seats may debut within a year or two. Oh, the only in business class, I know. of course. With well, the quest story, right. for germ-free so, travel, so the rest, <laughs> the rest of us muggles in co economy could just rot as far as they can. I know, yeah. but the quest for germ-free travel is part of an industry effort to make flying less taxing on the body as non-stop seventeen-hour marathons become common. As the tube-like design of commercial jets has barely changed in decades, seating has become the focus of uh, comfort and a key point of difference. Tomorrow's airborne chairs, at least in business class, will be digitised and customised. Uh, there'll be a, a, well, a whole living area, Hillier said by phone, from Hong Kong. As well as being sanitised, Recaro seats will give massages and predict back predict backaches. Eventually, they might even have their own bar. <laughs> Individualization is really the key, said Hillier. Uh, the goal, he said, is to create a hotel room in the sky. Re and uh, Recaro, which uh, competes with Thompson Aero Seating and Zodiac Aerospace and Rockwell Collins, make around 120,000 aircraft seats a year. Uh, Boeing uh, Dreamliners, operated by Qantas Airways on the recently started Perth-London route, are fitted with seats made by the German manufacturer. Rockwell Collins offers seats with an 
antimicrobial coating that their option uh, that though it's an option and not every airline chooses them said Alex Posey the company's vice president uh, as airlines fly ever longer routes passenger health has become a priority contagious diseases can be transmitted swiftly through a plane God, this is worrying is it <laughs> after flyers on a 2008 flight from Boston to Los Angeles contracted diarrhea forcing an emergency diversion to Chicago Investigators uh, concluded a norovirus had spread in just three hours. Oh, blimey. Uh, one square inch of a seatbelt buckle can be home to 1,100 viable bacteria and fungal cells, according to a January report that analysed swabs from around the cabin. While antibacterial coatings are available for hard services, Recover is trying to achieve the same lasting fab on result on fabric, uh, Hillier said. The company still figure out uh, how the seat would tell a passenger it's clean, and the best innovation doesn't help if you can't show it, Hillier said. So they're hoping to obviously promo these seats. Uh, Recaro's business class seats that they produce uh, already cost as much as 80,000 euros or $95,000. In the future, they'll offer more control over the noise, light and temperature in a passenger's personal airspace, according to Hiller. A door or partition will provide more privacy, he says. And uh, the seat might even be able to improve a travel's posture by warning a slumped passenger of impending pain. I've got to say, if these seats actually do become re a reality, um, it, it's, it's going to be one hell of a seat. That's for well, sure. yes, that is true. Um... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I just envision Matt going on board his, you know, his uh, flight to the states because he's a bit of a bit of a traveller now, and I just I just imagine Matt walking up in the seat saying, "Sorry, Matt, uh, you're you too fat. You get off. No, you, you <laughs> can't sit on me. I'm not clean. Would you mind moving over to that business class seat instead? Oh no, I could, I could live with a bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no it's all right. Perhaps yeah. it's, can you imagine if the computer systems go wrong, you know, and they do start, you know, sorry, sir, this seat is not clean. Would you please upgrade yourself to business class free right. of charge? Right, okay. Free of charge sounds good. I don't think we don't get anything. Never any views? <laughs> well, I, I just can't find the words, really. I, I think that, that some of these things are great ideas in theory, but I can just see some massive calamities and, and difficulties here, can't you? Oh dear! Well, they'll put the cleaners out of business. That's for sure. Poor people. Especially yeah, as I mentioned it, in the chat room, a few people. Uh, if if Captain Al's flying, they'll need an industrial strength. That is a good point. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's only so far that self-cleaning can go. Of course. Quite, Let's yes. not. Jennifer's uh, Jennifer has said it, or Jennifer's put in the play in the chat room that we need those seats at the airport too. All the germs on the airplanes are in the airports as well. Oh, that's mm. just horrid. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> Neil, <laughs> Neil's just pointed out, Matt, that uh, specs and tie, you're going up market. No, obviously. Well, you know, yeah. it's just, it's, you know, some, sometimes you just have to uh, make an effort. Give a little, oh, yeah, honestly. Absolutely. Uh, uh, nothing anyway. to do with the fact that I, I was helping my, my, my friend Lorraine out this afternoon. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Doing that job you don't do anymore. Hey, anyway, moving sure. swiftly on, the next story then, Matt, <laughs> is, uh, is all for you. Yeah, I don't know if I want to read it out now. If you're going to be this is a techie one for you. <laughs> okay, anyway, this is on uh, zdnet.com, and the headline is uh, Cloud Computing, why is airline just... Why this airline? Why this airline? See, see I told you I should Can read. Can you read? No, I can't read. I've forgotten <laughs> how to. Cloud Computing, why this airline just went all in on AWS? What's AWS. Amazon. Read on. Oh, anyway, machine learning is key to a new Amazon cloud migration project, which will mean Ryanair closing most of its data centers. What? 
Wow, low-cost airline Ryanair plans to close the vast majority of its data centres over the next three years as it moves its infrastructure to the cloud with Amazon Web Services, AWS. Oh, there we are. I see learn something new every day. Uh, the European airline, which carries over 130 million customers every year on more than 2,000 daily flights, already runs several elements of its core business on AWS, including hotel booking site Ryanair Rooms and Ryanair.com. But it's now going all in, according to the cloud computing giant. The airline is building a company-wide data lake on Amazon S3 using uh, Amazon Kinesis uh, to gain insights uh, from customers and business data. Ryanair is standardizing on AWS services, including AWS databases, analytics, machine learning, and deep learning services. Uh, it is working with the AWS Machine Learning Solutions Lab to create an application that enables the company to automatically detect surges in demand for flight segments and anticipate schedule changes. You mean to work out whether they need to put the price up faster or not, I think is probably <laughs> where we go. Anyway, AWS said that by migrating from Microsoft SQL Server to Amazon Aurora. Oh, wow, that's brave. Aurora, sorry. Uh, Ryanair, which spends, uh, which sends out 22 million emails daily to customers <laughs> about travel bookings or sales, will be able to run one of the largest email marketing campaigns in Europe with higher performance and at a fraction of the cost. Ryanair Chief uh, Technology Officer John Hurley, that's not a name I've heard before at uh, Ryanair, said that machine learning is hugely important to our growth, adding that the company is exploring AWS machine learning services, including Amazon SageMaker to personalize the My Ryanair portal for every single traveler. Hurley said the airline is also trialing Amazon Lex, Amazon's deep learning chatbot service, which powers uh, which powers its Alexa virtual assistant, so that customers so that customers can be dealt with by the chatbot or a human, depending on the nature of the request. So this cloud-based, so this is like, so they're moving all the stuff from yeah. uh, from like a hard drive to like. We store our well, I mean, a lot. Online. I mean, a lot of service. I mean, even here. I mean, in 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 sort of sleepy bungy. I mean, we we have cloud based services that we use for our backups and things like that. So we mm. you don't we don't sort of have what I call physical backups on hard drives or, or pen drives anymore. We have it all stored in in the cloud. Um, and uh, I mean, really, I mean, they're just moving with the times. To be fair, and mm. you know, why why pay for your own data center when someone else is has already got one that that's available at a sensible price? I how, mean, how presumably this is something that? you experience quite a lot yeah. as well, Nev, in, in mm. your industry. I mean, the cloud must be the you know huge to given. Yeah, well, I mean, we we use it extensively. I mean, although I work for quite a high technology company, we've still got the old server. Whirring away in the corner there, yeah. running on Windows Seven, probably. Um, but uh, we wow, do. Wow, it's usually Windows XP. I'm impressed. <laughs> and we've got you know tape backup systems yeah. for it. But we also extensively use the cloud stuff as well mm -hmm. because so many of our apps these days are you know lightweight versions yeah. uh, of the main app, um, so that we can use uh, use the fuller versions and have collaborative stuff going on in the cloud. But actually, cloud reliability is so good these days. Having said that, I still, if I'm shooting lots of material with my video camera for example I do quite like a real physical hard copy backup on a Lacie drive or something like that mm. um, 
just because if something did go wrong, that I can access the data. But yeah. so th this is clearly the way to go uh, for the airlines. Yeah. And in fact, even yeah. even at PT UK Towers here, I mean, we, we have a, a a shared cloud drive that I upload everything from, you know, Armando segment that we're playing later mm. to. So I mean, they're really they're, they are just literally mm. moving with the. Do time. these cost loads of money then to have these cloud based server <sighs> things? Yeah, it's not free. I'm guessing it's not no, free. No, it's yeah. not free. Uh, the 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 thing is, is what people don't quite. It, it's the initial outlay that is. I mean, really for something expensive. like Ryan, what they want to do, Ryanair, is yeah. this is going to be a big. Yeah, what, what I'm getting at really <laughs> is people underestimate how how expensive it is to buy these servers and put in mm. the infrastructure that you need to be able to hold and handle the kind of data that you're talking about with an operation like Ryanair. Um, now, with data links being so much better than than they have been in years, especially here in the UK. Um, you know, I mean, I suppose if you're sort of communicating with online virtual servers and things, you're just moving small packets of data and just leaving, you know, data centers at the other end to sort of render the information and just send you back, you know, screen prints and things like that. I mean, so it's, it kind of, um, I, I you know, I think we're all going to be doing something similar very soon. But uh, well, when you buy things from Amazon or, or any online store, that yeah. that's what you're interfacing with, isn't it? It is. It, yeah. It's cloud-based uh, data centers, effectively. It is. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah. It's. Uh, it's. Uh, I, I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think we'll see uh, several airlines. Uh, one might even recommend BA do it sooner rather than later. But uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you may find uh, they're still using the Nev's giving drive. me a look now. <laughs> they're still using the the. Commodore. Yeah, yes, indeed, the <laughs> Commodore 64. It was a quality piece of kit in its day. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this, this is the thing. But, I mean, you know, in all seriousness, Ryanair obviously will no doubt be the first of many mm. to move over to these systems. And I've never really understood, like, you know, why you think especially if you're using a company like amazon where they will have so much redundancy and latency available to them and also if they do find that their service are under load they have the resources to be able to you know move the move the data requests somewhere else and, and all that kind of thing so no it's um it is uh, i th i think this is how they're all going to go i yeah. think you and you know you'll get easyjet you'll get british airways and all of them it's all very tech moving debt sorry I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking i'm sorry no no it's very it's very <laughs> very good it's very interesting yeah it's, this is this is the the, the world of uh, of matt and nev yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so uh, uh, nev it's, it's the uh, way forward yeah. the uh, the next story uh, a bit of a worrying one but uh, oh slightly on. yes it's on the uh, independent.co.uk uh, and it says that passengers aboard a delta airlines plane that filled up with smoke after landing have described the ordeal as a flight from hell. Oh While passengers say a dog was first to notice something was wrong, a dizzying smoke soon began to fill the cabin from the vents, sending those aboard uh, Delta Flight 1854 into a panic and necessitating an evacuation on Tuesday night. Passengers crammed onto the wing after jumping out of the emergency exit, then lowered themselves to the ground. They slid down the inflatable exit ramps uh, in the front to the tarmac. Uh, now that I'm not in a daze, fumes came through the f uh, vents after we landed. It made us instantly dizzy uh, and no direction from Delta said what to do. Smelled like an electrical fire, but we don't know yet, says uh, Rachel Nafter, the passenger on the flight, who also said a dog was first to notice the smoke, uh, wrote on Twitter. Didn't know dogs could write. That's for interesting. <laughs> <laughs> He's got uh, his own Twitter account and everything. Yeah. <laughs> bad our mouths tasted after still breathing um, it, Miss Nafter, also tweeted, 
of the smoke. An official from the Delta Airlines said that in spite of some of the social media posts from passengers, the plane had not actually caught on fire. The smoke was the result of hydraulic oil dripping onto an auxiliary power unit that was activated as the plane landed. And there's some uh, pictures on there. Uh, which Matt might be able to bring up. Um, it does say there, were, there was no fire at all, in fact. And the evacuation of the 146 passengers on the flight originating in Detroit resulted in a handful of minor injuries, the airline said, including some hospitalizations for smoke inhalation and sprained ankles. All of the passengers who were injured were discharged on Tuesday night. Jim McManus, who tweeted that the journey, which had already been delayed by three hours, was a flight from hell, later told <laughs> local media that most people remained calm when the smoke began to fill the cabin. Flight attendants, he said, had instructed passengers to keep their heads down and exit the plane. We were kind of sitting there complaining amongst ourselves, and one guy pointed out that it didn't happen whilst in the air, Mr McManus said, noting that the incident could have been worse. Delta says that although there was no grave injuries, the safety of its customers are its top priority. After smoke entered the cabin upon flight 1854's landing, the crew determined that emergency evacuation was necessary and they quickly and professionally directed the passengers off the aircraft through the various uh, exits on board, the airline statement says. We are additionally thankful to customers who follow the professional direction of our crews in support of themselves and fellow passengers. We apologize for the concern this event has caused, uh, the statement continues, and the safety of Delta Airlines customers and crew is our top priority. And we all agree with that. But, ladies and gentlemen, could you not bring your bags with you? Uh, I know, do you know what? I was about to say that. Leave it behind. Just, what please. is wrong with these people? <laughs> it's like, you know, the first thing they do, rather than actually um, sort of comply with the requests of, of the cabin crew, is grab their bags and then immediately start recording on their poxy mobile phones. I mean, one of the, one of the folk po pictures <sighs> on here, look, it looks like someone's climbing back up the escape chute to go back in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> yeah, oh, damn, I forgot my bag. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. Yeah, there's the picture oh, Carlos dear. is talking about. On the uh, MB series aircraft, you noticed how I didn't actually notice this before. But when they pop the the slides at the front, the obviously um, the, the aircraft is, the fuselage is, is quite close to the ground. So actually, there, there's not much distance to go no, at all between no. the front exit doors and the taxiway or the runway where, mm. wherever they are. Um, but uh, but of course, you've got people taking luggage with them, mm -hmm. and which um, is just a no no. I don't I don't get why people keep doing this. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, oh. we've had a couple of incidents now, haven't we? Well, we've had a few, haven't we? And it's like mm. you get these pictures and they've all got their poxy luggage with them. What? Just like, yeah. just get out of the damn thing. <laughs> Abort! <laughs> oh, yes. anyway. Um, but, uh, oh. no, I think the airlines... Um, that's, there's some very... Sp uh, I've noticed certainly on BA flights recently that, that they've changed the... Um, the, the in-flight um, safety briefing somewhat to, uh, to, to say very specifically do not take anything with you under any circumstances um, so yeah. uh, but uh, yeah uh, and it's just it's a catastrophe waiting to happen because actually you can evacuate the aircraft really quickly but you've got people bringing bags with them and all the faff that goes with that it's awful, yeah it? well Anyway, moving on. That's, that's a bit of a rant. Bit of a rant yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Every, everyone <laughs> remain calm. Sorry. Yeah. Stop. So yeah. the next uh, next story is on the bizjournals.com uh, website. And uh, this is uh, a story about actually a place that we're all off to later on this year. And the uh, headline, Boeing's negotiate, oh, negotiate, negotiating three wide-body jet deals ahead 
of the Farnborough International Ooh. Air Show. So Boeing is reportedly uh, talking with three major airlines about wide-body jet orders ahead of this summer's Farnborough International Air Show. Mm. Boeing is negotiating a long-haul uh, jet deal with United Airlines, uh, International Air Group, the, the owner of British Airways, Iberia in Spain, and Air Lingus in Ireland. Uh, and Saudi Arabian Airlines uh, flying ass, according to the news reports. Boeing spokesman Paul Bergman declined to comment on any uh, ongoing talks with customers. Uh, Boeing makes uh, the wide-bodied 747, 777 and 787 jet, uh, jets in Everett. And... Um, uh, jet makers uh, like Boeing uh, love to unwrap big orders at the Farnborough Air Show, uh, which takes place this year on July the 16th to the 22nd here in the UK. Boeing won a massive deal last month for 47 Dreamliners from American Airlines. Let's just hope the engines get made in time. Uh, the 787s won over competing jets from Airbus, which uh, said Boeing simply priced their aircraft lower than we were willing to offer. And uh, now uh, Reuters reports uh, that United is in talks with Airbus and Boeing for passenger jets to replace their aging fleets of 50 Boeing 767 aircraft. Airbus is expected to offer its upgraded A330 Neojet uh, against Boeing's 787 Dreamliner in a deal worth up to $14 billion at list prices. Uh, United said it has already uh, uh, got 33 Dreamliners but no A330s. Meanwhile, International Air Group, Aero Group CEO Willie Walsh revealed uh, on an earnings call last week his airline is in talks with Boeing and Airbus about wide body jets for its British Airways affiliate. Walsh characterised his Boeing talks as constructive but said he was disappointed with Airbus over the A320neo delivery delays. Ooh. IAG may have an alternative to buying, uh, Bloomberg reported, Qatar Airways, uh, which owns 20% of IAG, is considering lending some of its wide-body jets to British Airways, which they have, haven't they? And uh, Boeing's third prospect is Saudi Arabia's Flynass, which ordered 100 Airbus A320s last year and intends to operate uh, big aircraft for the first time. Flynass CEO Banda Alhamana told uh, national newspapers in Dubai that he's talking with Boeing and Airbus uh, to buy 777s or A330s. Ahal Hana said uh, Boeing's new mid-sized airplane, nicknamed the 797, might be an option for his 10-year-old low-cost carrier. So it's safe to say that um, Boeing are definitely um, they're definitely getting the orders in, even if they're having issues with uh, with the engines with the Dreamliners. But uh, it's interesting to see every year Farnborough beats its figures for the amount of sales done during the week at the air show. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens this year uh, with their figures. So, sorry, I've been a little bit distracted uh, by uh, Will Harcastle, who we met at um, the uh, <laughs> we who we met in uh, uh, at our two hundredth, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. It's and I think currently it is the latest and newest location that our show is being viewed from. Really? Yeah, he's in the bath. Apparently, oh, <laughs> he's okay. watching us in the bath. Mm. So uh, everyone, say hello to Will. Hello, Hi, Will. Will. There we are. You know, our, our listeners are very Hello. special, aren't they? Mind, mind, mind the hot tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't uh, get your toes stuck or yeah, don't something. Get your toes anyway, stuck. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So don't. Actually, on that note, that uh, don't forget that uh, we are all off to Farnborough this year. 
Yes, yes, I think, uh, I think we're all, even we're I'm coming there. on that one. Yeah, you're coming. We're, we're, <laughs> Owen's coming and yes. Captain Al. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the APG guys are coming over mm. as well. To, I'll tell uh, you what, the, one, of the, one of the most bizarre things is when you, you think, you go back two years ago to when we went to far because it's basically nearly two years, isn't it, since yeah. we went last time. Yeah. And you think what what the show's been through in the last two years and the changes that have occurred in that t- is just... Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's sort of mesmerising. It's it's, it's going to be so nice to see all those faces again, isn't it? It's oh yeah, just been, definitely been wonderful. Anyway, sorry, we're, we're and Micah and Brian. Uh, yes, of course, yeah. they're all coming yeah. over as well. And, and APG, they're yeah, they're yeah. going to be there in awesome. force as well. It's going to be amazing. So yeah. if, if you haven't got your tickets for Farnborough already, hurry up! Hurry up! <laughs> yes, yeah. absolutely. And if, if you're going to come to Farnborough, yeah. uh, please do get in touch with us at the show. Yeah, and. Because um, we're gonna, yeah, we want to meet, meet up. up. We yeah, want to meet up with everyone. So make yeah. sure you, you send us an email or a, a tweet or a whatever, yeah, yeah. and uh, let us know you're going to be at the Farnborough Air Show. It'd be great to see you all. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yes. Yeah. So moving on to the next story, man. Indeed. Yes. This is on the uh, Flight Global, the legendary flightglobal.com website, and the headline is Lufthansa orders up to sixteen Airbus and Boeing oh, aircraft. So the Lufthansa Group, who will order up to sixteen aircraft from Airbus and Boeing in a deal valued to be worth two point one billion euros. That's two point five billion dollars at list prices. The orders include up to twelve Airbus. A320 family aircraft for Lufthansa Group carriers, two Boeing 777-300ERs for Swiss, and two 777 freighters for Lufthansa Cargo. The Frankfurt-based carrier says the Lufthansa Group board approved the deals today. The A320 family order is split between up to six A320s that will be delivered depending on availability this year to offset A320neo delays and the conversion of six A320neo options to firm orders with deliveries in 2022. Swiss will take the 777-300ERs uh, in 2020 and use them for growth. Uh, Lufthansa Cargo will use the 777-Fs to replace the ageing Boeing MD-11s and Lufthansa Group carriers operate 350 A320 family and 10 A320 Neo family aircraft, 10 777-300ERs and 5 777-Fs. Fleets, uh, flight fleets analyzer database shows not including the latest deal they have firm orders for 61 a320neos 45 a321neos and 20 777-9x's it's safe to say that uh, i think um airbus and boeing definitely kind of are out there with the uh, you know the biggest orders all around and um it just seems to be an ongoing thing. I don't mm. think we've ever had a week where we haven't had a story where yeah. someone hasn't isn't buying brand new aircraft. Well, yeah, that's, that's it, it, well, it's good news if you're an aircraft oh, yeah. manufacturer. Sure. Yeah, good definitely. news for us. Also, with, with you know uncertainty about fuel prices, mm. as always, everybody's going for the, the most efficient yeah. aircraft that they can. Um, yeah. And uh, the these twin jets, whether it's the, you know the A350 yeah. series, the, the newer triple sevens, the, the Dreamliners. Uh, these are all seriously fuel-efficient aircraft and can yeah. carry a lot of people a long way. Um, mm. And uh, so I think that um, this is going to be, I, I think actually this year so far, just the first half of the year, there have been so many order announcements. That this is even before, you know, the Farnborough. Before Farnborough, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. yeah, really interesting. Yeah. So, Nev, you were then talking about the A350. 
Uh, what's what's this next story all about? Yeah, well, this is the mirror.co.uk, and of course, that's the place where I go for all my latest news. Of course, absolutely. News. Without, yeah. um, and uh, of course, there's some exaggeration here, as you'd expect, because it's the mirror. <laughs> and it <laughs> says that terrible incredible slow. footage shows a commercial plane performing a near vertical takeoff at a convention in Germany. The stunning clip was taken at the Innovation and Leadership in Aerospace convention in Berlin last month. It shows the aircraft which is an A350-900 XWB, which boasts Rolls-Royce engines, take off at an incredible angle. The, the aerobatics were carried out by an aircraft which regularly features at air shows. And uh, stunned viewers have shared their disbelief after the clip was shared on YouTube with many describing the takeoff as amazing. Uh, describing the A350-900, Airbus said the jetliner accommodates 325 passengers in a standard three-class configuration. And it's Not that one. <laughs> uh, no, I think this one was probably empty. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, angles of attack and what have you. The jetliner accommodates 325 passengers in a standard three-class configuration and its state-of-the-art comfort and amenities ensure that everyone on board enjoys a pleasant flight as with all 350 xwb models its fuselage is built with carbon fiber reinforced plastic which supports lower fuel burn easier maintenance and increased resistance to corrosion um whilst this is all very impressive uh, um it's just not how the real aircraft operates but of course they have to make a bit of a thing of it don't they um but i i've just I, I'm in two minds about seeing commercial aircraft being flown like this because that's just um, not realistic, is it? In 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 service. Say. No, it, I know. I must I must admit, as as a sort of like non, you know, sort of uh, person who's good at or into, into that, I must admit, I do find it astounding. Uh, I, I just, mm. I mean, and, and what yeah. you know, the A380 yeah. that that they had at um, Farnborough, at Farnborough mm. two years yeah. ago. Uh, I mean, that is still because uh, you had the A400M and the mm. A380, didn't you? Sort of doing side yeah. to side, you know, back to back um, uh, shows on the Sunday, didn't you? And that 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 A380 doing essentially the same thing, where it yeah. did a almost virtual and it almost vertical takeoff. I mean, as a, as a you know a, a lover of big machines um i suppose it was just awesome to to, to yeah, see it, it is so impressive to see yeah. it. i'm trying not yeah. to be too much of a killjoy but no, no. Uh, it, it is good actually um i'm just easily is, pleased nev that's what it is uh, <laughs> yes. the a350 is a particularly nice looking aircraft yeah. it is it is actually yeah, it's got some love in the chat room that's for sure mm. yeah, yeah would you say that video nev when you're watching that video if you've got a chance to look out there mm. would you say that he was having a having to struggle with with crosswinds on that particular takeoff did you see uh, if you look at the bit, rudder yes. yeah. yeah i was just watching that video there and yes. i thought lots he's, of fiddling around, lots of fiddling yeah, with yeah, the yeah, rudder yeah, there on that yeah. takeoff yes but, because um, he's going to do something very stupid that's why <laughs> yeah. that's why he's having to be sure but uh, yeah yeah as you say a lot of love uh, actually if, if you if you want to watch that video uh, and you're not watching the live chat room if you take yourself to the mirror dot so it's www.mirror.co.uk and then if you search for remarkable footage shows airbus a320 uh, a350 sorry you will then uh, you'll see you'll actually, find that actually lane video, street in the chat room has said that the camera angle makes it look more impressive than it really is oh i see yes probably mm. yeah. yeah that's a fair point that's it. everyone come back to earth now yeah. yes absolutely so the next story <laughs> uh, this one is on flight global 
uh, com. Awesome website if you haven't seen Flight Global. Looked on Flight Global. Awesome site if you yeah. want up-to-date news. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the headline, Sharp Manual Overspeed Correction Injured 737's Cabin Crew. Oh. So UK investigators have determined that uh, a Boeing 737-800, uh, the captain heavy-handed manual response to a developing overspeed resulted in serious injury to one of the flight attendants. Uh, the inquiry was uh, into the upset on the Ryanair flight. Oh. Uh, this was on uh, aircraft Echo India, Echo Bravo Whiskey, which had been descending towards Manchester on the 14th of January last year. Uh, they found the captain had been startled by a sudden increase in airspeed towards the maximum operating MAC limit. Air Accident Investigations Branch, or the AAIB, uh, analysts uh, revealed that uh, the 737 had started a descent from 40,000 feet, having been cleared to 20,000 feet. Air traffic control had requested that upon the speed conversion that the crew fly at 217 knots rather than the carrier standard 245 knots. Uh, the 737 began to descend while travelling at Mach uh, 0.77 uh, to 0.78, but owing to a strong jet, uh, jet stream, the wind speed uh, increased rapidly, and during the descent through 36,700 feet, the aircraft's airspeed rose to a maximum of Mach 0.81. While the autopilot was engaged, the captain felt that it was not correcting the overspeed and thinking that uh, he had little time to react, he simultaneously pressed the autopilot disengage button on his control wheel and pulled back on the control column, says the inquiry. His intention was to avoid the overspeed uh, as smoothly as possible uh, using manual control inputs. But flight data recordings showed that the captain quickly exerted a 42.7 pound or 190 newton force on the control column. Although the inquiry could not determine whether the autopilot disengaged as a result of the button press or the column input, it says that the force applied was twice that required for autopilot disconnection. At the time, uh, the captain is believed he was uh, managing the manoeuvre gently, uh, it states, but with hindsight he suspected that the startle effect caused him to exert more force on the control column than intended. The abrupt manoeuvring caused two cabin crew members to lose their balance one suffered a broken ankle. Investigators wow, point out, yeah. uh, investigators point out that the lower air density at high altitudes uh, reduces the operating envelope, and that manual flying in such conditions demands particularly careful handling and the avoidance of large control movements. Boeing's training manual states that changes in wind speed could lead to overspeed, while auto, auto throttle is able to provide aggressive speed control near operating limits. Uh, the manual says short-term overspeed can nevertheless occur under certain conditions. It advises crews in such con uh, cases to deploy partial speed brakes slowly until a noticeable reduction in airspeed is achieved and retract them equally slowly once the airspeed falls below operating limits. Both pilots subsequently completed a reoccurrence simulated session which focused on overspeed recovery. Investigators have highlighted a similar event two months after the Ryanair incident which involved a Qantas 737-800 experience increasing headwinds during a descent towards Canberra on the 13th of March last year. The crew used manual inputs to avoid overspeed and two cabin crew members were injured on that flight as well there we go so it's uh, 
it's a, obviously these investigations do take some time to be um, yeah to be brought to uh, you know a conclusion, but uh, you know it just goes. I to mean, show. it sounds pretty nasty. Actually, be if somebody broke an ankle and. I mean, unless they just fell funny, I guess. But yeah. uh, also, the bit that concerned me there um, was the is that um, the air traffic control had requested that upon uh, speed conversion uh, that uh, the crew fly at 270 knots rather than the carrier's standard of 245. I mean, is there possibly not some blame? Fired at. I mean, I, I, sorry. Am I am I uh, getting myself well, in trouble here? I was going to say we've, we've got Andy Wilson actually in the chat room. I don't think it's that one. I'm afraid. Uh, but uh, but this uh, this Andy Wilson says that pilots get very little experience at high altitude in commercial aircraft. He says. Right. Okay. And Nev, what are you going to say? Yeah, I was just thinking that uh, obviously the speed control is quite important from, from an ATC point of view. So maybe they're trying to run the aircraft ahead of somebody else, for example. Um, but trying to, um, I suppose I would liken it to if you were driving your car at 30 miles an hour and you need quite a lot of steering input to make it go left or right. You do the same at 70 or 80 miles an hour, not that I ever drive over 70 obviously uh, but if i did you'd need very little steering input and this is obviously not steering this is all to do with you know speed control um but um yeah the, the way aircraft handle at the higher end of the speed envelope is very different to that at the lower speed i'd imagine right and, uh, so i'm sure andy can uh, uh, tell us all about that but um yeah it's yeah. um it's yeah i mean you you don't need much movement of the control column to to mm -hmm. do this stuff do you uh, interesting point, Andrew. That that, that, that um, sorry, and I'll get me Andy's and me Andrews all mixed up. So apologies <laughs> for that. Uh, it's uh, uh, one thing that, that, that's interesting here, which uh, uh, Will's actually mentioned in the chat room here. It's uh, uh, I assume he's still in the bath. Obviously, uh, might be a silly question, uh, but uh, did the cabin crew get? Did, did, would the cabin crew get any like sort of uh, like injury compensation for something like that? I wonder. I don't know whether don't know it's, that works. whether you sign a waiver that more or less says. Um, you Where's know, our cabin crew member when we need? Him? I know uh, in Ireland currently. Oh, yeah, uh, enjoying some time at home. Oh, bless uh, him. <laughs> we do miss yes. Owen. Yeah, indeed. Oh, it, Pip's in the chat room. Yeah, he Pip. does. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. So it's, it's right. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Pip's Pip's in the chat room as well. I'm just sort of trying to to skim my way through. I don't think there is. They haven't converted the speed by that point. Right. Okay. Um, they're having a good old chat about this. Yeah, the they are. Absolutely. Sorry, sure. I'm, I'm not doing it. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, um, no, it's because it's interesting. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know. Reading that story, this is the trouble with me knowing absolutely sweet FA about aviation. It's just like... Uh, you know the, the the 270 versus 245 i just 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 wondering is like because because uh, obviously the pilots are very familiar with with the 737 800 in this particular case you know uh, so if that's not normal operating standard for the the carrier isn't is it the pilot's job to then report back to air traffic control to say no, we're we're only allowed to do two hundred and forty-five knots. Or am I mis completely misunderstanding? Chat room, please help me out here because I'm trying <laughs> to understand something that I basically don't understand. So uh, that'll, that'll yeah. be a segment for uh, for Pip to send in. Yeah, next absolutely. Week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There we go. Yeah, yeah. There That's we are. Pip segment yeah, for next week. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the, uh, the next yeah. story is for you, Matt, and this is oh, is uh, it? Oh. This is about a, a story that we hear about all too often, really. 
So this, with pilots. Yeah, well, yes, this is on the uh, ABC, uh, and my computer's frozen. That's helpful. There we go. Uh, right, so it's, it's, it's the infamous pilot shortage yet again. This is on the ABC, really? uh, on the ABC website in Arizona this time. And pilot shortage hurtling, is hurting airline, says Travel Industry. So this story is based out of Glendale uh, in Arizona. A, a sky-high shortage. Oh, I do love the Americans and their grammar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, American fans, friends. <clears throat> a sky-high shortage is striking the airline industry. Pilots are taking off from the workforce as not... What? Hang on. I've completely misunderstood that. Uh, a sky-high shortage is striking the airline industry. Pilots are taking off from the workforce. As, oh, they're attempting humour. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, that's clearly worked. Uh, uh, taking off from the workforce as not enough people are taking their spot inside the cockpit. Uh, there's airlines sitting on the ground with no pilots to fly them, says Rick Raidmaker. Uh, Raidmaker owns the Arizona Flight Training Center in Glendale. He said it is the job. It is his job to help stop the worldwide shortage. Uh, him personally, singly, and alone. <laughs> uh, but he believes uh, it is one that will take roughly 20 years to fix. Wow, experts believe believe the impact could be felt by travellers in a variety of different ways, including the cost of an airline ticket. There also could be no longer, there could also be longer lines at the airport and even more cramped flights. Plus, there may be less unique travel routes offered as a result. Uh, Roadmaker said that the reason behind the pilot shortage can be blamed on a variety of reasons. So pilots are retiring and the airlines are expanding and they've not been able to f uh, to fulfil the jobs. Roadmaker explained, everybody's hurting but they've done a lot of expanding of routes and it's just growth of the industry. Raidmaker does not agree that passengers may have to pay more, but pilot Corey Ro Robin does. That is pushing him to uh, take action and work to inspire others to think of flying as a real career. Robin has a YouTube channel where he does a segment called Fly With Me Friday. Uh, his thousands of followers watch as he takes someone up in his plane who has never had the experience before. He hopes that that experience will encourage them to go on from the passenger seat to the pilot seat or at least tell others about the experience sometimes i lift the plane off the ground or do some sort of maneuver and on camera we watch these dramatic happy just awesome reactions he explained um so yeah uh i mean i, I suppose the easiest and fastest way to sort of make it blinking make cheaper. cheaper yeah literally that's literally where i was going with it mm. it's like so if they are struggling to find people to <laughs> sit in the cockpit i appreciate you know because there are people out there who would make incredible pilots mm. who aren't oh, yeah. pilots because they can't afford it because yeah. it, i mean in 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 the in the uk here alone to actually get to the point where you're a commercial pilot able to fly let's say a 737 or an or an a320 whichever one it is i mean you're looking at the cost of a house aren't you basically mm. yeah. from yeah. getting your initial J ga experience and getting all that done to moving into commercial to then doing your rating for jet engines and and then picking your actual thing i mean the you know surely the easiest way to get more people going through the system is finding you know doing it on a scholarship maybe so some yeah. of these airlines yeah. may need yeah. to sort of perhaps start doing apprenticeships or whatever the equivalent would be if you're wanting to become a pilot you know i know even if you're tied in with the airline for a certain amount yeah, of years exactly, after you yeah. after you you know because a lot of 
in a different sense, a lot of HGV, light HGV truck coach jobs. drivers, the same. The same. Yeah, You're yeah, tied in with yeah. the company for two or three or right, yeah. years until yeah. you, you. Or know. in my case, when I did my, because yeah. that's exactly how I got mm. my coach. My coach, I know it's not the same as being a pilot, blah blah blah. Mm. But, but the, the long and the short of it is, is uh, you know. Uh, David from D-Way Travel, in my case, uh, was in need of a driver. I said, oh, I've always wanted to be a coach driver, ha, ha, ha. Uh, and then off I went on having my, uh, you know, he said, well, look, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pay for you to go because I, I said I'd love to do it, but there's no way cheap. in a million years I could afford it because, yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, you, you don't get much change out of ooh, about 12, 13, 1500 pound if mm. you want to do uh, uh, coach driving. So you, 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 you do that. And basically he fronted the bill, if you like, for me to pass my test and then I worked for him uh, at a reduced rate, if you like. So I still got some money, but not as much until I'd paid it off. Mm. You know, and, and and you know, why don't the airlines do something? Well, similar? we covered we covered a story a few weeks back on the show. If you remember that uh, Emirates were were short of pilots, they yeah. had to had to sort of have a bit of Borrow a, some. a rejig with routes yeah. and and, and um, uh, suspend quite a few routes. Yeah. Um, well, Emirates are still, according to the report which came out on Wednesday this week, Emirates are still yeah. facing a, a kind of uh, a, um, a need for around about 150 pilots, which is quite a lot of pilots, really. Yeah. Um, but they've also, a story came out on the 8th of May, which was Tuesday this week, mm. um, that's saying that Emirates are also experiencing a very, very big shortage of cabin crew. Um, yeah. And um, it says the story that, um, that that I was reading us on here. It says that the the shortage of cabin crew is is mainly down to to Emirates purchasing large aircraft that require lots of cabin lots crew. More cabin crew. So you yeah, obviously got absolutely. the three eighties, the triple sevens, yeah. and stuff. The big wide body jets that, that obviously have to have a lot more crew. Mm. Um, with Emirates being the largest operator of the three eighty, that um, you know yeah. it does swallow a lot of crew. Indeed. Any any thoughts on this, Nev? I mean, I mean, d what would your solution be? I have no solution, but the the, I, the thing I still do not understand is we go through these, um, maybe people that are actually in the industry can explain it, but we go through yeah. these cycles of one minute, there's not enough pilots and it's True. an absolute catastrophe mm. and they need to recruit low hour pilots to, to, to get people into, into mm. the system. And then three, four years down the line, oh, we've got too many pilots, so we need to lay a load of people off and we need to you know, reduce our routes. And it, it, wouldn't it be nice if it was just all leveled out a bit and, and evened yeah. up somewhat? And it all seems very peaky and spiky, doesn't it, also, the, I mean, the airline business? I yeah. mean, this growth doesn't, isn't happening on a whim either, is it? I mean, so, you, you know, you don't just sort of literally decide in a couple of weeks' time you're going to start running a route. Mm. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? I mean, so presumably months of planning have gone into sort of making arrangements for you to, to start this new. I mean, if, if they are planning to do it, I, I'm surprised that that hasn't been factored into their decision-making process. I suppose process. the other thing that which you have to remember, of course, is world uh, world events. You know, if you True. think about just what's going on at the moment between, mm. you know, the US and, and North Korea and yeah. all the rest of it, they're... they're they weren't even speaking to each other previously, and now they are. Yeah. And who knows? There might be air routes opening up there in future. That's so the point, as yeah. the world picture changes all over the world, whether it's the Middle East or mm. it doesn't matter where it is, actually, um, you know, uh, routes open up or, or routes get shut down uh, if, if two countries start arguing with each other. And then there's overflying uh, rules, difficulties, and that puts a lot more fuel burn on the aircraft because they've got to go around the country rather than through it. So many factors. 
uh, in these things these days. So um, yeah, I think the airline business is uh, not not very typical in in that respect, and this is why we see these these peaks and troughs of, of pilots and cabin crew demand. Yeah, I, yeah. I, again, I don't know what the solution is. I suppose there isn't one really, isn't it? It's just everybody's got to talk to everybody and plan a bit better, maybe. I don't well, know. Yeah. Or is that just too easy? Too easy. Okay, my apologies. So the last story then <laughs> uh, for Nev, and this is one for, uh, I think a lot of us have always looked at uh, booking cheap flights, and uh, sometimes when you go to book a flight mm. to, from the UK to the US, you kind of find the cheapest flights mm. always involve... Uh, a layover. So, Nev, what's this story all about? Yeah, this is on the junkie.com website, and it says how to survive an epic layover <laughs> in an international airport. We all know how much fun an international holiday can be. The chance to do, see, and eat things you can't in your home country. <laughs> it's one nice. of the most thrilling opportunities you can experience. Right. Okay. Conversely, <laughs> the part where you actually travel is usually super boring and is easily exacerbated if you get stuck waiting for five or six hours for your next connecting flight. Well, with that in mind, here are some handy hints for dealing with an epic layover in a foreign land. Number one, brush up on your foreign languages. Oh Unless you're going to the US or UK, chances are that English is not, is, isn't going to be the predominant language spoken at your final destination. Well, what about Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, <laughs> India? Sure, many countries speak English as a second language, but you should at least memorize a few key phrases that will help you get by. It'll endear you to the locals and probably make the whole travel experience a bit smoother. Plus, no one wants to be that loud oaf at the restaurant gesturing wildly and demanding to see the English menu. Number two, eat, eat, eat. <laughs> Look, you're not going to find any great food at the airport, but you, do you know what sucks more than airport food? Airplane food, even the McDonald's at Dubai International is better than the processed ham and lettuce sandwiches. Oh, is it? <laughs> they, they dole out once you're back up in the air. Yeah, you spend six, you've just spent six hours on a plane and have to wait another five hours before you even get back on the plane. Right. Go ahead and treat yourself. Number three, freshen up with a shower. You've just spent six plus hours uh, rugged up on a flight with all that recycled air on the plane, drying out your face, unless you're on a, uh, a Dreamliner or an A350. The chances are you're, uh, aren't, you're not going to be feeling too fresh, but most airports offer shower locations, usually near the toilets, sometimes even with a towel service. So why not take them up on their offer of a 20-minute hot shower whilst you wait for your connecting flight? And number four, prep your laptop with entertainment. If you know ahead of time that you'll be spending a significant amount of time uh, of your journey trapped in an airport, make sure that your laptop is chock-a-block with things to watch. You could try streaming services like Netflix, good luck with that, or watching <laughs> something on YouTube, but airport Wi-Fi tends to err uh, on the choppy side and sometimes will only grant you a couple of hours of use. Navigate this by downloading as much as possible before you take off. I must admit, number, I do that. I, I actually load my laptop with sort of three or four films to sort of last yes. the... I like the this duration. next one. I like well, this I next find one. this is just so un-British, but I, 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 I speak of it because it's number five, and it says, make friends in the airport bar. <laughs> what? Originally, this point was titled, get drunk in the airport bar, but they figured that it's more wholesome advice and that you won't get detained. The original That's sentiment true. still rings true, though, as this is the number one destination in any airport 
for people looking to take five minutes after a grueling flight. Pull yeah. up a stool, look out for people speaking English and make friends with some folks experiencing the same predicament as you are. You usually make no friends, sorry, you usually make friends whilst drinking at home. So international airports should be no different. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I not think I would even <laughs> consider doing for one minute. <laughs> I would avoid that like play. No, basically what you should do on these long layovers is, you know, get your laptop or your 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 device for listening to things right. and download and listen to the show. Well, there is that, yeah. That, yeah. That there is there is indeed that. You uh, know, you can still download episode, well, one of the show. You don't do probably, that. No, that's probably not Please don't do that. <laughs> for your own sake, please don't do that. But, uh, uh, yeah, there's, there are, you know, there's lots of things you could do. You know, you know I think one of my favourite ones would be to download aviation podcasts. Or, or, uh, or um, you know, next generation stuff. You know, what, Star Trek. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, I've, already, that, I've already done I, that. Box I must set. admit, when on on the occasions when I've been, uh, in fact, that's how I, I, I don't know if any of you will remember a, a marvelous TV program called House uh, with Doctor oh, Gregory um, House, and that was first introduced to me on yeah. an, on a flight uh, going over to I can't remember where I was flying to now. Um, and I, I watched it for the very first time on a flight. Oh, no, i tell you what it was. I was going to Australia years and years and years. Not Australia, New Zealand years and years and years ago. And, uh, yeah, and that's how I first stumbled across the house. And I literally binge. What was the first time that I sat down and binge watched something was watching something on the IFE, in, in, you know, on the plane going over there. Because let's be honest, I had plenty of time 26 hours later. <laughs> yeah. Neil, Neil Lamorne in the chat room said that... Uh, about uh, Nev, this is. And, oh, uh, Nev, what have you done? Friends in the champagne bar for you, Nev, I think. Oh, yes, oh, oh, well, yes of course. My, yes. My, my industry colleagues are, are there quaffing <laughs> the champagne and, and the yes. caviar. Uh, well, indeed, quite right, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I would like to think so, absolutely. <laughs> oh, oh, brilliant. Uh, so that, um, that brings to an end the commercial news segment of the show this week. And uh, coming up next uh, in the show, we've got uh, some audio. Uh, that was sent in uh, to us uh, from the awesome Armando, who was on the show not so long back. And uh, for those of you who have heard a few of his little audio bits over the last few weeks, he's uh, obviously got a few more for us here. So uh, we're going to play those for you right now. Hey, everybody. This is Armando here from uh, Aero Expo in Friedrichshafen. So I'm here with Gus Fonell, uh, who works for Vans Aircraft. So it's nice to see an American manufacturer here um, especially I'm kind of partial myself to the Vans aircraft uh, having flown uh, RV8s and RV7s uh, so I know what a fantastic airplane it is but uh, uh, Gus can you tell us a little bit about uh, about Vans and, and maybe the European market versus the US market? Sure yeah, um, yeah so uh, I've worked for Vans for about uh, 17 years now and we've been coming to the uh, Aero Expo here in Germany uh, for about uh, nine or ten years and we've had very good luck in the European market um, a lot of people here enjoy flying Vans products they've been uh, maybe not quite as successful in Europe as they are in the US but nonetheless we sold a reasonable number of airplanes here every year and uh, it seems to be growing we get more and more interest every time we come uh, we have a fairly wide range of models and so um, some of them are maybe more suited to Europe than others. Um, we have everything from a, a fairly fast and powerful four-seat airplane, the RV-10, um, right down to the RV-12, which is what in the US we'd call a light sport type airplane. 
but it's particularly well suited for the European market. It uses the Rotax, which obviously many people in Europe are much more familiar with than maybe some of the uh, Lycomings. It has the ability to use car gas and um, uh, it can get in and out of short fields. Um, and it's a very benign handling airplane, so it's yeah. suitable for people who are maybe lower time pilots as well. So economical and easy to fly. Yeah. Now, uh, now, these are home-built aircraft, correct? Indeed, yeah. We actually uh, are mostly known as probably the biggest kit manufacturer in the world. Um, I don't think there's anyone else who's really close to us in terms of the volume of um, uh, kits sold. We have about 10,000 airplanes total flying worldwide. Um, best guess is uh, that at least maybe somewhere under a thousand of those are in Europe or the general okay. European area. We have them flying in France, Italy, Germany, the UK, Finland, Sweden, Norway. Lithuania, uh, Czech Republic, Slovenia, I'm, I'm not sure I've got an extensive list here, but it does go on quite a way, Greece, yeah. uh, Israel. Yeah. And that's really one of the advantages of Vans mm. aircraft is it's it's got uh, such a following and then the, uh, you know, the Vans Air Force and... Mm -hmm. and uh, sure, it's a big community. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we always refer to the, the Vans aircraft family and uh, that's very much true. It's more than just building a plane. Um, and flying it, uh, when you're part of it, you very much feel like you're part of a, a kind of worldwide community. Uh, you have to have builders outside of Europe, in South Africa, or Australia, New Zealand, uh, all over South America, Brazil, Argentina. Yeah. So we pretty much span the globe one way or another, and um, it's a good chance whatever country you're in, you'll be able to find a, a like-minded community of RV builders to kind of join up, because building an RV is, it's always going to be uh, a longish project. You know, these things aren't put together over the course of a mm -hmm. weekend, and you're going to need support and some friends and people who've kind of been down the path before you who can sure. kind of help you out with it. Um, we do actually have one plane that we build as a, a in the United States. It's an SLSA, and there's a limited number of countries that have that, and we do provide that as a, a flyaway plane if people want that option. But the majority of the products okay. we sell are kits. Yeah. Now, so this this right here is an RV. 14, correct? Uh, yeah, the 14A, it's got the nose yeah. wheel, so the way in Vans world, if it has a nose wheel, it's probably going to be an A model. Uh, now, this airplane was actually built by somebody here in Germany, right? That's right, yeah, it's a beautiful example of the 14A. It's the first 14A that was completed in Germany and uh, Europe, uh, built by uh, Stefan Schroeder, you can see over there. It's his second RV. He, he built a RV7A that he uh, had previously, but he sold that and uh, built the 14A. Yeah. Now this is this is a beautiful airplane. I was looking at it, mm -hmm. and everything, the interior, the the paint, everything is is great on it. How, right. I know I know it would it would probably span the whole gamut, but uh, on average, how long does it take somebody to build? Uh, one of these aircraft. It, it varies. In, in this case, uh, Stefan built this from a quick build. We have a quick build option on almost all the kits where you can get it partially assembled and that can cut the building time down considerably. Stefan obviously was an experienced builder mm -hmm. um, and he's uh, very precise. He actually had a business uh, making cabinets for um, caravans and uh, recreational actually, vehicles. Yeah. That actually goes very well with building an airplane. It does, yeah. Well, yeah. anyone who's used to doing almost anything with their hands, if you're a car mechanic or uh, you like fiddling with your bicycle or even if you like repairing your lawnmower, if you like doing that kind of thing <laughs> with your hands, you're quite likely to enjoy building. But uh, Stefan did this thing pretty quickly. He completed this airplane in uh, just 14 months, oh, so wow. it was pretty fast. Yeah. That's probably quicker than the average guy, but it, as I said, he'd built an RB7A before, yeah. so uh, he had some experience with this. But it does show 
the kits these days are a lot uh, better and more advanced than they used to be. Uh, if you go back to the beginnings of Vans aircraft back in the, the mid-70s, uh, the kits were essentially just pieces of sheet metal and aluminum angle and you made all the parts. Now, the kits, all the parts are made for you. It's really an assembly process. Maybe not quite as simple as IKEA furniture, but the basic principle is the same. The holes are all there, you get the fasteners, the plans tell you what to do, and you're essentially putting the thing together. You actually fabricate very little, yeah. uh, a small amount, partly to comply with the 51% rule that you have to build the majority of the airplane. But the, the kits are so advanced now that they really do go together a great deal quicker than they used to even five or ten years ago. Well, I know, and that's one of the biggest advantages I know having flown quite a bit in the U.S., um, that 51% rule and, and building your own airplane, it actually allows you to do your own inspections on the airplanes, correct? That's correct, yeah. For the most part, certainly in the United States, you can get your own uh, repairman certificate. Uh, it's a similar process, I believe, in most of Europe, that uh, if you built the plane, you can do most of the maintenance on it. There are some, I think, inspections. I know in the UK, it's required to have a, uh, a licensed engineer look over the airplane, but you can still do most of the work yourself, which obviously cuts down considerably on the cost of uh, ownership. Sure, and I myself decided to go that way too with an uh, experimental airplane mm -hmm. back in the US. Just right, well me too. I, I built an RV-6 back in the late 90s and uh, part of the motivation was that uh, I wanted to do the maintenance on myself. Yeah. I own cars and motorbikes and always done the maintenance on those and I figured that uh, an airplane couldn't be that much worse. That's, that's it, right? Mm -hmm. So ac yeah. actually you, you, you mentioned uh, yourself, so how did, how did you end up working for Vans Aircraft? Oh, well, I, I was living in the UK, obviously, and I, I got my private license in the UK back in the 80s. And uh, then uh, in the mid-90s, I was working for a company in London, and we opened a subsidiary in Los Angeles, and I was sent out to, to do that. And while I was there, I found out about Vans. I was vaguely aware of them uh, prior to that, but uh, I was looking for a project to do, and uh, I found the RV6 and decided yeah. to build one of those. And, I completed that and uh, about the same time Vans was looking for someone to help out with technical support at the factory and I was looking to change oh, jobs great. so I ended up moving up to Oregon. Ah, oh, that's great and that's a beautiful part of the country too. Yeah, it's lovely, yeah. although maybe a little bit too close to the UK in terms of weather. <laughs> I could use a little yeah. less of the uh, rain and fog and uh, cold in the winter, but we get great summers in Oregon. I, so. I know, it was, it was actually beautiful in London uh, yesterday when I left, and I said, well, this is it. I'm, I'm going to miss summer this weekend. All right, that could well be the case. Yeah, yeah you may have uh, missed the entire UK summer yeah. uh, for this year at least. So, so if somebody wanted to find a little bit more about the uh, the Vans aircraft family, mm -hmm. where where would they find that Well, we have a pretty extensive website. It's uh, www.vansaircraft.com and uh, if you want to see a little bit of how the community works um, uh, you should go to uh, www.vansairforce.net uh, both of them are one word but uh, the Vans Air Force site has a big community of builders uh, a lot of um, uh, discussions on the forums there about all the different RV models. Anything RV related is uh, pretty much what goes on there. But, yeah, and I, uh, I can attest to that as, as, a, as a Lancera owner I end up going to the to the Vans Air Force. Uh, I think so. It's uh, a very active forum. I think there's yeah. at least maybe uh, six thousand active participants yeah. on those forums all the time. So you see a lot of posts. It's not like some internet forums where there's only one post every three months. This thing is active, changing every day, new discussions and uh, topics. And it's a great place to go to get assistance with what you need to know about. If you get stuck on a little part of your project, you can 
probably get an answer from there. You, you can post it at 11 o'clock at night and there'll be some guy in Australia who's just getting up in the morning and he'll post an answer for you. And I know one of the biggest uh, things uh, with vans and the experimental aircraft community is that is that community. So I'm sure if anybody um, were, were seriously interested in, in purchasing or building a vans aircraft, they could they could go on the forums and maybe ask for someone to oh certainly to yeah yeah that's right yeah there's, there's plenty of people out there who if you're along obviously you can always come to the factory in Oregon and we'll be happy to take you up for a demo flight but um, if you're a long way away from that then you may well be able to find someone a little closer to home if you're willing to do it and certainly most people are more than happy and eager to talk about their projects and their flying airplanes uh, the, the great thing about a lot of fans guys is that. They're almost evangelical in their zeal yeah. to uh, promote it, and um, they're really our best sales force. We don't do a whole bunch in the way of marketing and uh, heavy print advertising or anything like that, but uh, what's always sold these planes is the uh, the people who are out there flying them and yeah. um, talking about them as enthusiastically as, as anyone. And I know you were saying, uh, we were talking earlier a little bit about, uh, about Europe, and you said there's give or take about 300 airplanes flying just in the UK alone, right? That's correct, so yeah. probably the same thing if somebody was in the UK and wanted Oh, absolutely, yeah. Them. Yeah, there's a big RV community in uh, Britain, at least 300 and, uh, maybe 330 flying and at least that number or more under construction. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty big community in the aviation world there. That's great. Well, we always like to finish with uh, with one question. Gus, if, if you could fly any aircraft in the world, current, past, uh, what, what would that aircraft be? What is your dream airplane to fly? That's kind of hard to say. There's so many that it's it, it's just extremely hard to choose. Obviously, I'm partial to RVs. Most of my time is in those. I've probably got at least pushing 3,000 hours in RVs alone, and they're great airplanes. But I have to say, if I really had to pick one, it would probably be a P-51. Yeah. Um, I think I've always liked the look of that airplane, and uh, it's a bit like me. It combines the best of Britain and America. You've got a Merlin engine <laughs> and a U.S. airframe, That's and it, yeah. uh, I kind of feel a bit the same way. Well, if anybody in the U.S. is listening and is, uh, is willing to fly up a P-51 up to Oregon, uh, well, Gut, you, I'm sure you can reach out to Gus and, and give him, the, yeah, yeah, give him that uh, opportunity. I'll, I'll, I'll be right there to do it. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks a lot. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. The Voices in Your Head.com. The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from news buyers across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Flyby 5823 Trent Dane for 23R Manchester Wizz Air 6X Climb Flight Level 210 Direct to Britain's Park United, one, two, three, maintain two, eight, zero knots. London, two, TME, turn right onto Bravo, link, two, one, join Alpha.
traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check Check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. And we're going to say a massive thank you to Armando for sending in... Well, some awesome audio. Yeah, absolutely. He's done. He's done. He's proud there, hasn't he? Yeah. Well done, Armando. Thank you very much for that. Have we? Have we got any more little bits from Armando? We've got one more. Yes. We've got one, one more. more to come, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait for that. That's brilliant. Yeah. So thanks again, Armando, for that. And uh, yeah, uh, we'll hear from you again next week. I expect. On yeah. The show. Absolutely. So we've got some military aviation news to bring you next. A few stories. So if everyone's ready. Uh, Nev? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I'm ready. Yes. Excellent. Let's go. <laughs> So the first news story on the military news this week, and this one is on Flight Global, uh, the awesome site, as we said earlier on the show. And uh, the uh, headline uh, is for any of those F-16 lovers. I know it's a jet that I've seen quite a few times in displays over the years. And uh, the F first F-16 to receive life extension modification rolls out of the shop. So uh, the first F-16, an Air Force Thunderbird jet, was the first Lockheed Martin F-16 to have a service life extension. Modifications that will add more than 4,000 flight hours to the aircraft's lifetime. The aircraft is one of about 300 refurbished C and D models of the F-16s that will roll off the shop floor of the 573rd Aircraft Maintenance Squadron at Hill Air Force Base, Utah, after receiving structure-strengthening modifications, the USF uh, AF announced on the th uh, May the 3rd. Uh, the F-16 service expansion program uh, is aimed at keeping the fighters flying uh, until close to 2050. The jets became operational in 1979. Blimey, they're a bit old, Matt. A bit like me and you. And hey. were originally deemed airworthy for up to 8,000 flight hours, but will have their life extended to up to 12,000 flight hours as part of the program. The jets will receive a dozen structural modifications, including changes to their bulkheads, wings, and canopy. Uh, the Thunderbird jet presented some challenges. Uh, this is the largest structural upgrade we've ever done, said Joe Gardenhauer, uh, a civilian leader in the 573rd, or 573rd uh, Air 
AMXS. This program involves beyond the usual modifications into a standard package of repairs and is going to bring st a stable workload into the depot for years to come. The Thunderbird jet was the first of four F-16s that will be used as a validation and verification aircraft. Maintainers will use lessons learned from these first aircraft to better establish the cost, workflow and timeline for the modification of future aircraft. Once the final process and workforce are in place, the USAF's goal is to compete each or complete each fighter in nine months at a cost of $2.4 million. Blimey, that's um, quite an upgrade. Mm -hmm. But uh, I remember seeing these jets um, for the first time many, many years ago at one of the air shows that used to happen here in the UK at the uh, the Air Force, the US Air Force bases here. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, at the time, you know, they were they were the bee's knees, the F-16, mm. and still are a really good fighter jet. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's good to see they've given them a bit of an extension of life. Yeah, I don't know, I always get a bit, I don't know how, Nev, I don't know how you feel about these, but I always get a bit nervous when they say they're going to e extend the, uh, the the shelf life of the these machines because these airframes presumably have, you know, what they agree, you know, like metal fatigue and stuff on the mm. hulls and stuff. I mean... I don't know how yeah, you. They do a lot of work, don't they, on on fatigue and, and making sure everything is is is, you know, absolutely airworthy, um, and uh, yeah, obviously the F sixteen is a awesome piece of machinery, isn't it? So uh, if they manage to yeah. get some more life out of it, that's a good thing, isn't it? Oh yeah. no, no, I'm not saying that. I, don't, I mean, I love everybody. I mean, yeah. even I had an F sixteen fighter pilot. Uh, computer game for my Atari 520ST <laughs> yeah. uh, which was absolutely <laughs> awesome but uh, it was uh, what, what tickled that. you there I remember that yeah yeah, yeah, it's, that, uh, yeah. I think I had that on the the Atari. Yeah, well, that's what I had. I had an Atari f a 520 ST. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and it had the midi. It had the oh. the um, five pinned in MIDI ports on the side, so you could like plug a keyboard <laughs> into it. And stuff. Oh, but, fantastic! Uh, yeah. I used to I used to spend hours playing that game, hours mm. and hours and hours. So I mean, see, even show, back then, yeah, you were. You know, yeah, I, uh, even back then I knew absolutely nothing about aviation. Well, That's know, correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, it's. Uh, but it is. I mean, that kind of shows how. Like, bearing in mind, I was a teenager then, so it really does sort of highlight how long these things have been in the air. Actually, because mm. you know, an F sixteen. I mean, you know, I'm. I, I would have been like sort of twelve, thirteen, fourteen. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like forty one now. Mm. It's interesting <laughs> that they've, they've chosen the uh, the Thunderbirds jet as the kind of first one they're going to do but then i suppose that these jets are put under quite a lot of pressure by the display team. yeah absolutely um, so if so it'll work for them yeah, yeah that's <laughs> probably the reason yeah for anyone the so next one yeah indeed and yeah the uh next story is on the uh flight global no it's not it's no. uh <laughs> it's on popular mechanics sorry i was because i was putting the pic anyway nobody cares uh shut up smith the uh popular mechanics is the website and the headline is the navy wants to give its bigger planes a way to shoot down missiles hmm. small interceptors or perhaps on a drone wingman would keep would keep big planes safe from air-to-air -air threat so as the US Navy reorients uh, towards powers such as Russia and China with their own large air forces uh, the sea service wants to outfit its larger non-combat warplanes with small interceptors meant to shoot down incoming missiles air-to-air -air. Uh, the technology would be the first active defense system uh, operating in the skies uh, the interceptors would be carried by the planes themselves or a robotic bodyguard the Navy issued a request for information from the defense industry on the 3rd of May uh, according to flight global the
The service calls the concept Hard Kill Self-Protection Countermeasure System, or HKSPCS. HKSPCS will consist of interceptors carried in a pod or internally in an aircraft that would launch uh, to shoot down incoming missiles. Alternatively, the interceptors could be carried uh, by a drone escort or a wingman. The... Uh, uh, system would be carried by the Navy C-130 Hercules transports, the P-8 Poseidon maritime patrol aircraft and other Navy planes that wouldn't otherwise stand a chance against an air-to-air -air missile. Although these planes typically operate safely out of range of enemy aircraft, sometimes things don't necessarily go according to plan and occasionally they could face hostile fire. Realising that the US is heavily reliant on such large support aircraft, both Russia and China have developed long-range missiles to target them. The Russian, um, is it Vimpel? V-Y-M-P-E-L. Uh, that's the Romeo 37 Mike, uh, Romeo Victor Victor Bravo Delta, and the Novator Kilo Sierra 172, and the Chinese uh, Papa Lima 15. Being are, very precise. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, are, are all <laughs> designed to take long range pot shots at enemy planes. The systems uh, wouldn't offer perfect protection, even if it worked every time, an enemy fighter could still simply close uh, to gun range and shoot the larger plane down with its cannon. It could, however, buy larger planes packed with people time for friendly aircraft uh, to come to the rescue. The interceptor system mirrors new active protection systems to protect tanks on the modern battlefield. In both cases, platforms too large to take evasive action against incoming missiles would instead sh instead shoot them down. Although military jets typically carry chaff to decoy away radar-guided missiles and flares to distract infrared-guided missiles, an active protection system would provide an extra layer of protection. The Air Force, Flight Global no notes, uh, is also at a, uh, looking at a similar concept for tankers, transporters and and spy planes in January 2016, the United States Air Force awarded Raytheon Wraith a contract worth up to $14 million to research new, two new weapons, including the miniature self-defense munition. The MSDM, the Department of Defense, said in a press release that the MSDM will support miniaturized weapon capabilities for air superiority by enabling close-in platform self-defense and penetration into contested anti-access area denial uh, environment with little to no impact to payload capacity. I mean, it's uh, part of me still thinking I'm surprised they haven't thought about this before, perhaps. Well, no, I do see that point that, you know, you're in something like a P-8 beside and, you know, you can't yeah. exactly open a window and fire a gun yeah. out the window at someone who's coming after you, but... Um, you know, this would be a good idea because some of some of the, uh, the 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 Hercules, as I know, and stuff have the chafe launchers to um, tell or to persuade missiles to go elsewhere. But uh, something like a P8 Poseidon, obviously, this is based on a, on a Boeing uh, 737, and you know they haven't got the ability to fire rockets and other no. various things. So they do need some protection while they're up there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just to sort of, well, you say, and again, you've got um, you know uh, some of these transports have actually got. Uh, you know, people on board, and they're, yeah, they're sort yeah, of ferrying yeah, yeah. them from one yeah. place to another. And of course, they are very vulnerable because they aren't, by definition, carrying any kind of self-defence. Yeah, so, yeah uh, it's a good idea. Yeah, it does make sense. Any thoughts, Nev? None. I'm uh, ignorant on everything that you've said. 
except to say <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't have to read that story out. There was some seriously difficult things to pronounce on that. So, uh, yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you very much. It's <laughs> uh, the, the, the only one I'm going to get all night. Uh, anyway. So, Nev. <laughs> Good luck, yes. Nev. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky. A bit more straightforward. This is uh, on thecomet.net, and that covers uh, sort of northeast Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire area. And it says that the Shuttleworth collection is celebrating the RAF centenary with a sellout air show. And aircraft dating from the early days of aviation uh, to the force's most modern fighter jet soared through the skies of Old Warden in front of a sellout crowd as the museum started its 2018 show season with a bang. The flying display began with the Eurofighter Typhoon roaring high overhead and finished with Britain's oldest airworthy aircraft, a Blackburn monoplane from 1912. Wow. Planes from both World Wars took the air as well with a uh, SE-5A biplane fighter, the only one of its type with First World War combat history, flying alongside a Sopwith Camel, making its air show debut. Uh, Second World War, RAF bombers, the Av Avro Lancaster and Bristol Blenheim, flew in formation too. That must have been a great sight, yeah, actually. I bet. Uh, the Air Force's most recognisable aircraft, the sub, uh, Supermarine Spitfire, also wowed crowds whilst attractions on the ground, including cockpits, simulators and a wind tunnel. The next chance uh, flying at the Old Warden uh, air show uh, is on Saturday, May the 19th, so that's Saturday week at the Shuttleworth Connection, Collections Evening Air Show. So that'll be uh, one for your diaries, definitely, if you're yeah. around. It's, it's definitely uh, nice to see that these air shows, Nev, are, are still doing really well across the uh, it's, UK. It's some very uh, ancient stuff going on there. I mean, fl flying that uh, Blackburn monoplane from 1912, absolutely incredible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, gotta, yeah. Love, gotta love stuff like that. Yeah, mm. looking forward yeah. To, uh, to our first air show outing this year, for sure. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah so... Uh, yeah, thank you for that, Nev. Uh, so moving on then to uh, towards the end of the show. Mm. So as we said at the beginning of the show, we uh, do have a little announcement to make uh, for all the listeners who are either in the live chat room now or listening to this as an audio download. So for those of you who are living in the UK or may uh, be able to fly over from uh, from close by, uh, Nev, what have we got going on later this year? Well, we made a little bit of an announcement back earlier in the year that we were looking to do a bit of a sort of a meet-up, and uh, we have managed to achieve that. And that's going to be on Saturday the 18th of August this year, Saturday the 18th of August, and we are going to be at Seething Airfield. Uh, is that yeah. on the Norfolk-Suffolk border? Yes, that, that, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, yeah. It's it's also uh, where we. It's the same place where we do our uh, we we do an air, air show thing. So you've probably heard Seeding Airfield before because we've they do an air show there uh, or have done certainly uh, every year that I've lived around here. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, right there. But as I said, you don't have to fly necessarily, do you? It's not just a. Um, it's great flying. that we've managed to get permission for them to for us to to do some flying into seething. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant. So um, if you are around and you would like to come along, please mm. do so. Uh, we're going to have some barbecue food there. Yeah. We're going to be doing a live broadcast from there as well, and some recording and interviews and, and the usual yeah. stuff that we normally do. But yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fantastic uh, weekend, and uh, I just hope that the weather is kind to us. Yes, because that's really important. Yes, although there is a big hangar. 
other. I there think, are yeah, a few. So, I say, yeah. so I don't think yes. we'll get wet. And if you would like to join us uh, for that, so Saturday the 18th of August, is that correct? That's I, correct, I guess yeah. that the correct, 18th yeah. of August Saturday the 18th of, of August, and we're going to, uh, as I say, it's going to be at Seething Airfield, and if you would like to fly in, uh, we need you to get in touch, please, with uh, the details of your aeroplane along with the call sign, because obviously we've got to book everybody in yeah. in advance. Registration. So please, yeah. registration of your aeroplane, and, uh, you know, please do, you know, obviously yeah. we understand it's weather permitting, cause, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, when, it, we, but, when, yeah. we, when we tried yeah. to do something uh, back at Beckles uh, a while back, it didn't go according to plan, thanks to the weather. Uh, if you're not able to fly in, you are still more than welcome to come and join us, uh, and we will post details on how to get to um, uh, seething, but again, it is a. Uh, it does need to be because we're going to an airfield. We need to be able to notify them as to who is coming. So, if you would like to join us, please send us an email to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com uh, to register your interest in joining us on September and uh, on August the eighteenth, Saturday, August the eighteenth, for our special fly-in event. So for those of you who may want to fly in uh, to Seething, the ICAO code is Echo Golf Sierra Juliet. Um, Seething operate a runway 06 and 24, and the runway is 800 metres long, which in feet is around about 2,600 feet long runway. So good enough for the uh, pipers and all the cessors and yeah. stuff to fly in. Absolutely. Uh, we have got a few of the listeners who will be flying in. One of yeah. those uh, is our awesome host, Neville Bounds. He'll be flying yes, in, absolutely. Uh, hopefully yes. weather permitting, on that day. Yes. He's not actually flying himself. Who, who are you coming with, sir? I do not hold a <laughs> private pilot. No. <laughs> no. I'm on somebody else to take me from my local uh, GA uh, airfield at uh, Wickham Air Park. Yeah, yeah. So yeah absolutely. And, and Auntie awesome. Sue is coming as well, which is very she exciting. Is. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So for those of you who may want to fly in as well, Avgas is available on site if you need to uh, refuel. Top up. Uh, yeah. And top up and stuff, you can refuel there as well with Avgas. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, if you want to contact the airfield at all, uh, you can contact them at Seething on 01508 550 Four five three, and that'll take you through to uh, the office where you can uh, book your aircraft in. Yeah, uh, but don't do that if you're coming to our meetup because no. we will well, do the, that. Well, the flyers in will need yeah, to do that. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, but aren't they going to? Presumably, we're booking them in, aren't we? Yeah, we've got to send the details through to yeah, that's the guys so, through. So don't, don't, that's don't, just for information for yeah. the GA pilots. Yeah, right. Yeah, for okay, the, yeah, the technical okay. information, they, yeah. need, they need to know, man. Yeah, no, that's a fair <laughs> point. But if you want to actually book your aircraft in, then please contact us here, uh, and Carlos will deal with yeah, those yeah. Uh, personally. So it will be podcast at plaintalkinguk.com, um, and then you can get in touch. Yeah, as we said, there will be barbecue on the uh, on the go. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know whether Matt is going to be in charge of that. Yes, I, I should I, be in charge of the barbecue. Matt will be in charge yeah, of the barbecue. Yeah, yeah, uh, so he'll be in charge of I am of the barbecue that. king. He's the barbecue <laughs> king. And uh, as Matt said, uh, and Nev said, we are going to do a live show from there. So we're uh, going to broadcast a live show. Ooh. And it'll be great to have as many the yeah. of the listeners there as we can. So yeah. make sure, if you want to come, let us know. Yeah, please do. Yeah, so as, if you can't, as you say... You don't have to fly in. You're more than no, you welcome to, to drive. In. You're more than welcome to drive down. Biking, That's what I'm going cycling. to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to be cycling. We've got a lot of satellites. We have got a lot of stuff to, to take. Yeah, uh, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. So we're hoping to sort of get enough people there to do a bit of a live show uh, and that. But uh, I mean, we've we've 
already got about 12 people that have confirmed already so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good event so uh, and this is really off the back of the 200th isn't it yeah, because yeah. several people sort of expressed an interest in us organizing one but we'll so, say a big thanks as well to dan who has yeah, done absolutely. a lot of the sorting out of this uh, for and all, us and all of those on the board at seeding yeah at seeding well yeah big thanks to you guys to, for yeah. allowing us to do it yep so uh, yeah so get in touch yep. and look forward to seeing you all in august yep. absolutely yeah yeah so a podcast at plaintalkinguk.com uh, i i have a little announcement to make as well uh in the fact that uh i uh, well i i couldn't really allude to it before because everything's all been firmed up now so regular listeners to the show will know of a certain mr grant mckerran who is obviously part of the uh soon to come to an end i'm sorry to say uh the playing crazy down under website anyway he is Podcast. coming to what did i say you said website did i yeah. right well it's a website too Shush. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway he is coming to europe which is very exciting unfortunately he's not coming here to the uk he is flying in to uh, Rome and myself and Owen and Jenny and Grant McCarran are all hopefully going to be about on the Monday uh, afternoon uh, for a little bit of a meetup. So if any uh, listeners other than those that I've mentioned would like to join us, do please also get in touch. So we're arriving on Monday the 4th of um june so that's monday the 4th of june so that's not that far away actually before i get on my plane and uh, and off we go again uh so yeah so that's monday the 4th of june and a little bit of a meetup uh, in rome i don't know the complete itinerary yet but if you would like to or if you are in the area and would like to join us uh then please do again get in touch podcast at plain talking uk.com so uh myself and owen will actually be in rome uh the 4th 5th and 6th of june but grant is only going to be available around on the he's only going to be available basically on the monday afternoon and evening so that's monday the 4th of june so if you are able to join us we would love to have you there and uh, yeah so we're going to have a little bit of a hopefully a bit of a pt uk meetup in rome on the 4th of june details of that to be confirmed as and when i've worked it all out but uh, yes uh, Sorry, just reading through the chat room there. Yeah. And uh, Richard King, he's off. He's got to go and pick his uh, daughter up, Imogen, yeah. from a friend's birthday disco. And he says, it says a lot about my social life when my nine-year-old goes out more than me. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a bit of a shame. Oh. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's all part of the fun. So, yes, that's, uh, that, that's really where we have to sort of bring things the show to a to close, close, I'm yeah. afraid. But, yeah, so but. we're going to say a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the live chat room tonight. Massive uh, thanks to you all for taking time out of your Friday night to join us uh, in the uh, in the chat room. It's been great to see. It's been a good good amount of chat in the Ooh, chat room. Next week, by the way, we by have a new segment coming <gasps> from we do. the legend that is Sir Pilot of Pip. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So a new segment. A that, new uh, segment. Brand new. Brand new brand segment new. that will be joining us uh, yeah. hopefully regularly. Uh, starting uh, next week. So yes, mm. watch this space for yeah. a special segment from Pilot Pip. Excellent. So that is where we're going to bring episode number 216 to a close. Nev, as always, thank you for being awesome. Yep, very good. Thank you very much indeed. And tomorrow I should be having some lunch with uh, Andy from the A320 podcast. Oh, awesome. Pop into my house on his way to work tomorrow. So that'll be very nice indeed. Always nice to see him. Indeed. And I hope everybody has a a nice weekend as well. Yeah. You got much planned next week, sir? Um, 
a little bit, but um, we've got a five-day week this time rather than oh, four. So how, we've how got, a, got a chance yeah. of actually achieving <laughs> what, what, what you set out to do, absolutely. Yes. So uh, <laughs> if you're wanting to catch the live show, we're planning to do it next Friday again. So that'll be Friday the... What's next Friday's date? Somebody <laughs> tell me. Friday the 18th, 18th of yeah. May um, at 7 p.m. if you'd like to join us live. But until then, that is where we bring... Have a great weekend, everyone. Uh, from all of us here in the studio and obviously in, in the world of NevTech, back at uh, back in over in sunny Buckinghamshire although it's probably not I bet you're glad you're not outside now aren't you no definitely not I'm glad I've got my light set up here yeah, I was going to be dark again, like yes. I did last week I know absolutely so from all of us here it is time to say goodbye everybody say goodbye take care everyone bye, bye. bye.